Money. I can tell you're all really excited. Okay, money. When I think of that, what's your first thought or emotion that comes to your mind when I say the word money? I was very intrigued by this question, and so I asked a bunch of people, and here's what some of them said. Money makes me stressed, anxious, worried, feel deeply content knowing God will provide, have a nagging concern, nervous, guilty. Other people said things like, I love talking about money, finances, budgets, especially how to save money. I am blessed to have the resources I do, even though they are limited right now. Am I using it well? Am I spending too much? Am I giving enough? I could do better saving, delaying gratification, giving, yada, yada, yada. And my favorite, money is stupid. Can you relate to any of these? Because I understand that this morning we come with our own experiences, thoughts, and emotions about money. Money can be a struggle. And it can be difficult to talk about. Sometimes our past or our present situations either enable us or hinder us to have the needed conversations. And I understand that. And that is why it is my prayer this morning that we can have an open heart and an open mind and a willingness to say to God, God, this is where I'm at and this is how I feel about money. But God, I am letting you have a moment. Will you please speak to me? I want to hear what you want me to know about this topic and about you. Because that's so much my prayer this morning, I want to take just a few moments right now just to pray that to God. Let's pray. God, um, I do not know where the people in the room this morning are when it comes to money. I don't know their thoughts. I don't know their emotions. I don't know their experiences. I don't know where the past was led, and I don't know where they're at presently, and I don't know what their future looks like, but God, you do. God, you know their thoughts, you know their worries, you know what they're anxious about, you know deep down what their lies or truths they are believing about money. And so God, I pray that in the next few moments that you would break in. You'd break into our hearts, you'd break into our minds, and you would speak a truth that's louder than the lies. And that we would see you clearly. We would learn about your character to trust in that. And that we would leave this room with more truth than we came. With more freedom than we've ever felt and with more rested assurance about who you are and who we are in your eyes. But God, I can't do that. Only you can. So I just pray that that happens this morning, that we would open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I grew up in a family that went to church every single Sunday, and I would see my parents drop a check in the offering plate. And I don't remember the conversation, but somewhere along the lines, I heard that we needed to tithe. And tithing is giving 10% of whatever you earn back to God. You see, giving has been a part of God's history and our history as the human race. Adam and Eve's first two kids gave their first offering to God. And it continues through the Old Testament. God even instructs his nation, his people group called Israel, that they should give a tenth of their fields and the firstborn of their herds and their flocks to God. So that they would learn a respect for God and also to support those who were serving the temple and the congregation. Jesus talks about giving and Paul continues that through the New Testament. Giving has been a part of us in the beginning. And so when I heard give, I gave. When I heard give 10%, I started giving 10% in high school and I've continued to this day. But as I started to grow in my faith, I started to listen to a lot of different sermons 
by different pastors about how much to give, and I became very confused. 10% didn't seem like the common rule anymore. It seemed like every pastor was giving a different opinion about how much to give. Now, looking back, I'm not quite sure that they were, but I was on a mission to figure out the right amount to give, and I didn't want to mess it up. But there didn't seem to be a clear answer from what I was hearing. I heard tithe, and I became really anxious. Do I tithe the gross income or the net income? And all my children in here are like, I don't even know what that is. Before, after tax, none of you care. You don't even care. Okay, before, after taxes. I heard, don't tithe. We're on this side of the cross. The Old Testament doesn't apply to us. Just be a cheerful giver. And I became overwhelmed trying to figure out how much does a cheerful giver give. And I heard, just get your heart right. And I was like, how can I get my heart right if I still don't know how much to give? And then I heard, give extravagantly. And I became concerned. What if I gave too much and I didn't have enough money at the end of my month or what if I didn't give enough and then I'm not a good Christian there was a time in my life where I thought that God's goodness was directly tied to my life and my giving so I had to make sure that the first thing I did right after I got paid was write my 10% from my gross income to Jesus and then I was good with God until I heard the next sermon and it was a different opinion and then I moved on to this interesting way of giving I would uh, sit in silence, and I would wait for God to give me a number in my head. Literally, I would wait for a number in my head, and then I would wait to see if I had peace about it in my heart. You see, I did this because I wanted God to know that I would give him any number as long as he told me what to give. I needed him to tell me exactly how much to give. And a couple times, I did feel like the number in my head was from God, but most of the time, I had a number in my head, but I had no peace. I was so consumed with getting it right that my fear of getting it wrong messed with my head and my emotions. I was just screaming in my head, can someone just tell me exactly how much to give and I'll give it so I can get it right. Because all the opinions and the rules and the guilt and trying to earn God's favor by giving the right amount was a weight that I dreaded monthly. And then you add the topic of savings and a 401k, a Roth IRA, and bills, rent, car, car insurance, picking out a health insurance plan, food, gas, coffee, and chocolate, and a good shoe sale, and I'm starting to hyperventilate. (laughs) I just needed to figure it out, and I felt like it was all up to me to do it by myself. I felt paralyzed trying to find the right answer. And then Jesus got involved. And I am so glad he did. The Gospel of Luke records a story that Jesus tells to a crowd of people. And at, and at first, the story may not appear to have anything to do with money, but you see, my issue wasn't with money. My issue was my incomplete picture of who God is and what he was giving me through Jesus. Let me say that again. My issue wasn't with giving It was that I had an incomplete picture of who God is and what he was trying to give me through Jesus. The story is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. You see, the story is about a dad, and he's got two sons. And the younger son comes to the father, and he asks for his inheritance, which the father gives him. It's a lot of money. And he leaves, and he spends it all. And then a great famine hits the country that he's in, and he has no money, and he becomes very hungry. And so he goes and he hires himself out to a man who tells him to go and feed his pigs. But even then, he's not paid enough and he is still 
hungry, and he thinks to himself, I'm going to go back to my father and be asked to become one of his higher servants because at least they're paid better. And so he thinks of his speech. He's going to go up to his father and he's going to say, Father, I've wronged you, and I'm really sorry. I'm not worthy to become your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And as the son is traveling back home, the father sees him and he's a long ways off and the father runs to his younger son and he hugs and he kisses him. And he looks at his servant before this younger son can even get his full speech out. And he says, put a robe on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Go kill the fatted calf and let us celebrate for my son who was dead is alive. My son who was lost is found. And they began to celebrate. And then the older son comes into the story. And this is starting in verse 25. The older son was out in the field. Now as he was coming near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was happening. The servant answered, your brother has come back and your father has killed the fat calf. Your brother is in the house and is well. The older brother was angry and would not go into the house. His father went outside and asked him to come in. The older father, older son said to the father, all these many years I have served you. I have always obeyed what you said, but you never gave me a young goat so I could have supper and a good time with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes back, you kill the fat calf. And yet he wasted your money with bad woman. And then the father said to him, my son, you are with me all the time. And all I have is yours. It is right and good that we should have a good time and be glad. Your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, and now is found. The story that Jesus um, tells the crowd is called a parable. And what that means is that it's a story to illustrate something bigger. And what Jesus was trying to tell us is the father in this story is God, and we are the sons. And God is trying to demonstrate the love that he has for his children. And in this moment in my life, I was especially relating to the older son, Because both the older son and I were missing out on understanding a couple things about God and our relationship with him. The first thing I was missing was how God viewed me. I was missing how God viewed me because like the older son, I was on a mission to just obey the rules. I did this because I believe if I obeyed all the rules just right, God would be pleased with me. If I could just figure out the right amount to give, and then I would finally have peace knowing I got it right, and God would be pleased. I had missed the second half of what we like to call the gospel story. The part that I knew and believed was that God created us to have this beautiful relationship with him. But sin broke that relationship up. I chose to do things that God told me not to do, and I didn't do the things that God told me to do. And not only was our relationship ruined, but there was another unavoidable consequence for me. Death. That God in his love sent Jesus, his son, to come to earth. And he did what I didn't do. He perfectly obeyed God. And because he was perfect, there wasn't a break in his relationship. And he faced no consequence. Until Jesus willingly gave up his life for me. He took my sins and my mess-ups, my consequence and punishment, and he died in my place. And through faith and faith alone in Jesus, I could receive forgiveness of my sins. And this is the part that I got. And it is a beautiful gift. But it is not the whole gift. 
There was an exchange that happened when I chose to believe in what Jesus did for me. You see, I knew that Jesus got my sin, but somehow I missed the part where I got Jesus' perfection. The Bible calls it righteousness. At the very moment of belief, God put this robe of perfection on me and looked at me as he sees Jesus as someone who had never sinned. It is a robe that I cannot take off. If God looks at Jesus' perfection and is pleased with him, and then God now looks at me covered in his son's perfection, he is pleased with me. He isn't pleased with me because I gave a certain amount of dollars or because I was obedient to a certain set of rules. He is pleased with me purely for the fact that I said yes to believing in Jesus, his son, And that I received this new life that Jesus gave me. God isn't pleased with just me though. He is pleased with every single person the exact moment they choose to believe in Jesus. And this completely changed the way I gave money. Now I no longer gave to earn God's favor. I already had it. I had it the moment I said yes to Jesus. I now give for a completely different reason. And we're going to touch on that very soon. But first, there was another part of this story that I had completely missed. And I hadn't realized that I had missed it until recently. It's the part of the story where the father looks at his son. And he looks at me. And he looks at you. And he says, all I have is yours. Whoa. All God has is mine. And I wondered, how could everything God have be mine? And, and how is that even possible? You see, I suddenly realized I did not fully comprehend what it meant for God to be my father. And that lack of understanding was unpacking my life and impacting my view of money and how I gave and how God wanted me to view money. See, the second thing that I was missing was what it meant to be a child of God the Father. While knowing that I can't earn God's favor took the pressure off of getting it right, this statement of God saying to me, all I have is yours, has freed me to be generous. It reminded me and challenged me to remember that as a child of God, my dad is a dad who owns everything. He is a father of abundance and provision. And when there's abundance, there's generosity. I heard it put it this way. I want you to think about your drive here. If you have an abundance of time, how do you drive? Oh, no, no. You let people merge. Come on in. Come on in. Someone makes a mistake in front of you. You're like, you know, I do that all the time. I do that all the time. It's fine. But what happens when you're late? Everyone on the road is a complete moron, aren't they? You see, when there is an abundance, there's generosity. And it's this insecurity of not knowing where our abundance comes from that leads to a lack of giving. We think we have a limited supply of money, but we are forgetting where our supply comes from. If we are in a position of abundance, we can be generous. I can be generous because of the access to abundance I have to God because he is my father. 
I am an heir to all he owns. So whether I have a lot of money or a little money, I can be generous with all that I have. And I don't abuse this knowledge of knowing that I have access to God's abundance. Quite the opposite. I actually start to believe that God will provide for me the way that Jesus said he would. You see, Jesus in Matthew 6 says this. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Again, Jesus says in Matthew 7, of which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It's just like my own parents. If I needed something, my parents would help. There's a sense of peace and security when I'm home because I trust in their parental love and provision for me. And it's same with God as my Father. I trust in his parental love and provision for me. And not only does God provide for me like a loving father, but then he invites me to join in his work, which is inviting everyone else into this family. There is room at God's table for every single person in this room and every single person in this world. And this is such good news. We simply have to share it with others. This is what God wants us to do. And giving part of our money is joining in with the work of God of sharing this news. This is one of the reasons why I believe God instructs us to give. And this giving to join in the work of the Father to let other people know about this invitation is now why I give. Because giving money to support the local church, the place you call your church home, is one of the best ways to partner with God in this mission. And I want to share a couple stories of why that is so true. You see, I have seen the work that your giving has done here at Orchard. As the junior high director, I get to see firsthand our mission of helping the next generations to encounter and follow Jesus, to bless a broken world, come fully alive. Because of your giving, I've had the opportunity to meet almost three years now with the same girl every Monday for breakfast. I have witnessed her not only come to know Jesus, but to rely on her, rely on him for her struggles and issues. She has gone from fearing to pray out loud to volunteering to do it. She has gone from hearing God's truth to speaking it back to me. And it's because of you that I get to witness that. It's because of your giving that space has been created for junior high students to have a place to come weekly, to hear about Jesus and find a safe place to talk about their life, to encourage and pray for each other and others all alongside Jesus. I get to hear things come out of a junior high student's mouth. Like, I talk to Jesus about pretty much everything because I know he doesn't judge me for what I say. Another student said, I say so many silent prayers throughout the day, and actually a lot of them have been answered. Junior high students are saying this. But it's not just junior high students that are affected. A former chaos leader said this, I can't even remember why I said yes to chaos. I just did. I had the mentality that I was supposed to be this leader that points kids to Jesus. And I learned fast that that was not the case. I learned more from my group of boys than I ever thought imaginable. 
They taught me that you are never too young to be a disciple for Jesus. And God uses people of all kinds to work out his master plan. Jesus showed up in my life when I needed it most. And I 100% attribute that to chaos. Now I'm pursuing a career as a junior high and high school educator. Chaos changes lives, not just for junior high students. Your giving helped that happen. It also helped the current leader say this. Chaos has helped me so much in my own faith. Small group is a time that has really made a strong impact on me. I am surrounded by a group of girls who challenge me and continuously teach me about faith and Jesus' unconditional love. My girls remind me of myself when I was 13, and I wish when I was 13 I had something like chaos to go to. Through helping in chaos, I have grown to love Jesus deeper, way deeper than I thought I could. Can I just say thank you? Thank you for joining in with the work of our Father. His lives are being changed for eternity. Because you're giving this invitation to God's family is being told. And it not only impacts the students, but some of them go home to families who have never heard of the name of Jesus. And they come to know Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus knows the emotions and thoughts you have around your money. And he knew mine. He also knew that mine weren't founded on truth. And so in his loving grace, he came in and he gave me a clearer and fuller picture of how he sees me. And what it means to be a child who trusts in his provision. But what about you? And where do you find yourself in all of this? Maybe you just need to start with an honest conversation with God. You need to start by telling God about how money makes you feel and the thoughts it brings to your head. And then maybe you need to end the conversation with God by asking him to help you believe and trust that he is already pleased with you. And that he is a good God, a good father who will provide. And then after talking with God, maybe you can take your next step in giving. Maybe your first step is just to understand your current financial situation and what it should be your next steps to creating a healthier one. This may lead you to seek out a financial counselor or set a budget to help reduce your debt. All along the sides, you can still give along that. Maybe, for you, your first step is just your first gift. That is way exciting. Because you will know that God has impacted you, and now you want to take your first step in giving so that he continues to impact other people. And that is incredible if that is where you're at. Thank you for joining in as we continue to make this message known to the whole Cedar Valley and then throughout the world. Or maybe for you, you've given a couple times, and now your next step is you just want to be a regular giver, which is incredible. So maybe every time you get paid or once a month, whatever you set, you want to give faithfully knowing that God sees your month. And he had already figured it out, how he is going to provide for you because he's a good dad. Maybe you do greatly giving, but now it has never been a set amount. So maybe you're going to have a set amount that every time you get paid, you're going to give this amount. And that is a faithful gesture. And I thank you for that, because again, you are making a difference in lives, not just in junior high students, but in people of all ages across the board here at Orchard. Or maybe you've been doing that, and you've been giving about 5%, and you want to make that jump to 10. As someone who has been tithing since high school, I can understand the moments that I want to look at God and say, you're crazy. This is a lot of money, or it's a little, because I get paid a little. And then God steps in. And he does things in my life that shows me again that, Kelly, where is your trust? 
I am a good dad who knows your needs. It's hard for God to be our provider if we don't give him moments to provide. And the last thing is maybe you've been tithing 10% and you want to give that extraordinary giving. And I understand that I mentioned that at the beginning where I didn't quite understand what that meant. But I believe if you've been faithfully giving 10%, you understand Jesus and you have a relationship with him. And you, with God, can make a reasonable number what that might look like. But wherever you're at and whatever your next step looks like when it comes to giving, please know that it is less about a dollar amount and more about knowing that God is a good father who will provide as he has promised. It's about children joining in with the work of their father by doing so by giving so that others may know this God and this invitation to be in his family. I pray that we will be people marked by our response to this invitation by giving freely Because we have been marked in our hearts by a God who looks at us and says, All I have is yours. Let's pray. Um, God, uh, you are amazing. And again, as I prayed earlier, God, I don't still know where these people are in this room. So if there is somebody in this room, God, who just doesn't even know that you wanted a relationship with them yet... God, may that be their first step, giving put aside. May they come to know and trust you. God, may they see that you are the dad who ran to that son and threw his arms around them and invited them into their family. God, if there's somebody here who has not stepped into your family, God, I pray that that happens today. Let them know that that door is always open and you are inviting. And then, God, I pray for the people who've been so worried about trying to get it right that they would just know, God, that you are already pleased with them. That you see them and you love them. You not only love them, but you like them. God, and you are so pleased that they had said yes to your son. And there's nothing that can take that away. For that robe of perfection rest on us. And I pray for the people, God, who are worried about giving. God, may they see you as a good dad who gives good gifts to his kids. May they rest in that provision, God. And then, God, may wherever we're at, may we see this invitation of giving as more than just act of giving money, but it's joining in your work of changing lives. God, I've seen that happen here at Orchard. Thank you for the people who are faithfully giving. God, they are making a difference. May the people next step see that their faithful giving is more than just that. It is changing lives forever. God, could we be part of something that's more important than that? And I don't think there is. So thank you. Thank you for being a good dad, for loving us, for saving us, and providing for us. We love you. In Jesus' name pray. Amen.